Welcome to Unframed, a podcast which hosts talks and conversations about South African art and artists. I am your host, Anthea Pockroy. In today's episode, I am airing the third of four talks that I recorded at the Turbine Art Fair this year. The talks program was really interesting this year and was curated by Kefilwe Suisa and Numboyu Horwitz. Thank you to them and to the Turbine Art Fair for allowing me to record these talks and to put them on Unframed. I think it's really important to take talks that are happening with small audiences and to put them online so that they are freely accessible. This panel discussion was of particular interest to me given the work I've done with Assemblage in the past. It was called Concerning Us on Collective Sustainability. It was a panel discussion with representatives from the art collectives Black Ink Contemporaries, Danger Gefar Ngozi Studio, Free State Collective, and it was moderated by the curator Aisha Wadja. This panel will explore how artist collectives can be sustained and developed against the trend of their rapid dissolution. What is the value of collaboration and can collectives withstand the fast-paced changes of the industry whilst maintaining their identities and ethos? Enjoy listening to this talk on collectives and sustainability. Hi everyone, welcome uh, to the talk concerning us on collective sustainability. I'm Aisha Waja. Um, I'm moderating the talk this afternoon um, alongside Ka uh, Karen Bush, Kamohelo, and Chad. Um, so I'm, I want this conversation to be quite kind of open and informal. So if you do have a comment, I think, you know, along the way, just kind of signal me and then maybe we can just include it. Um, because I think that this conversation really needs to be open and engaging with everyone. So uh, are you guys happy with that? Okay, so uh, just to give um, everyone a bit of background, I know there are some people here who do know me, um, but for those of you who don't, um, I've worked in art administration for the last seven-ish years, eight years actually now. Um, I'm also an independent curator and I've worked at the Bag Factory Artist Studios. Um, I was at the Project Space um, until recently and now at the moment I'm working for... Uh, the Turbine Art Fair, which I've done before as well. So I have a little bit of knowledge about um, art organizations and institutions and collectives in that right as well. Um, so I think I just would like for each of the other panelists to give a little bit of introduction to who they are. And um, because they've, they all come from very different kind of backgrounds and they, for me, they each service in a very niche position within the art industry, which is very necessary. Um, Karen used to work at a very established gallery, uh, Gallery Momo for, I think, as long as I can remember. <laughs> um, but now she, she runs a really great uh, collective out in Bloemfontein, which is very important. So maybe you can just speak to that a little bit, just kind of a little bit about what, it, what it's about, and then we'll get into the deeper questions afterwards. Okay. Um, I moved to Bloemfontein by some strange twist of fate. Um, at uh, the beginning of 2017 after leaving Gallery Momo. And um, I actually, at that time, I was uh, on sabbatical. I was um, exhausted from my Momo experience. So um, I wasn't planning to work in the arts again, but I kept on meeting artists in the free state who over and over this told me the same things during my sabbatical year, that they felt isolated, they felt disconnected, from the rest of South Africa. They felt that Cape Town and Johannesburg dominates the, the art scene. And I started thinking, how can I best serve these artists? Because a lot of them are actually quite frightened to come to Johannesburg and engage with intimidating spaces, galleries, introduce themselves, etc. So um, immediately, uh, well, actually, it was kind of, um, I woke up the one day and I thought, we can start a collective. And the intention was to um, treat this in an organic process. And I started off by going to exhibitions and I've just um, literally started it last year, the beginning of last year. And at the moment we are sitting with 35 artists, the majority of which are from Bloemfontein, but I will slowly put out a call looking for artists visiting small towns. And I promise you there is talent it's hidden and it's out there. And I really, really believe that 
the, a collective like the Free State Our Collective model can be um, created in other provinces in South Africa. But more about that later. Hello, everyone. Uh, my story is a bit the same to hers. Um, I, mean, uh, I come from Watema in the East End. Um, as you all know, the East End produced some of the best artists. You know, I just want to pray about it first. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Watema. We have Mashaba right there, so no, no. And you all know Prasem Tlingetwa, the founder of Back Factory, Tlantlaklava, the late Tlantlaklava, you know, myself, Bambosbia. I can go on and on and on and on. But it's a very small township, you know. Uh, and I felt we had to work extra hard, you know. I started doing arts at a very young age um, in primary school. Uh, and we a bit far from Joburg, right? So you can do art, but there's no support, you know. Uh, because most of the artists, when they make it, they come to Joburg, you know. And the young guys, you know, are left back at home, you know, having to you know, to find ways to make it big. And it's not easy because you don't have artist pro studio, you don't have back factory, you know. So me and a friend of mine, uh, Bambos Bia, uh, Tabo Sikwaila, who is uh, a curator at Springside Gallery, we came together and we thought, you know what, let's just start a collective, you know, let's raise money, you know, we'll pay from our own pocket and take that risk and apply it and we applied and they loved our story you know I think they loved our story more than us you know because they have never seen our art before so we wrote something beautiful you know and it spoke to them and they gave us the opportunity and yeah we came in and the main aim for the movement was to get those young guys those young girls in the East Rand who had never been exposed you know and bring them to Joburg you know and not just at first but create um, pop-up exhibitions, you know, and so far, yeah, it has been good. So that's the story, my story in a nutshell. I'm Chad Cudero, uh, one-third of Danger Gefaring was his studio. Um, I'm, I live in Edenville still, so I'm with you, man. <laughs> um, so... DGI started as a collaborative practice between myself and Nathaniel Shepard, which was all the way through our undergrad degree. Um, it was us fighting with vits and fighting with lecturers to mark collaborative work, purely collaborative work, and like um, unwavering collaborative work. So it was it was an entire degree of of not necessarily collective practice, but really, really intense collaborative practice. Um, in our fourth year, we, off we were offered the opportunity by Gabi Globo to take part in an exhibition called The Labor of Love, which happened at Weltkultur Museum in Frankfurt. And that experience, that year-long research project was was really important moment for the beginnings of what DJI Studio would be, um, speaking to uh, David Kolane, Mambongi, Klomo, Maudla, Sam Klingetua, Vincent Boloi, Charles Nkosi. So, so all of these these intergenerational discussions that were extremely important for myself and Nathaniel's printmaking practice, situated in Johannesburg and in South Africa, where where those methods of producing prints, but also disseminating prints and thinking about the agency of of self publishing through print based medium, but also um, written media, sound. Um, what does self-organization, um, collective publishing and self-publishing mean in, in a space like this? And how does it translate from practices of older generations that we're in constant dialogue with to now? Because these things are still extremely important and they are really open and beautiful ways of, of not only creating information, but also disseminating information. And the print shop is a site for knowledge that became very important to us. So when we got back from, from Frankfurt, we were offered the opportunity to open up a space with um, Spongseni Kulu and myself, Nathaniel Shepard, and Spongseni Kulu started um, a small print shop that was originally in Maboneng, which later moved to Victoria Yards, where we are now. So DJI is basically a space not only for collaborative and collective practices, but also a space that is a response to very kind of tight, formalized constructions of what print workshops should be in 
especially in South Africa. So a lot of the big print workshops that we have function in exactly the same ways with the same formats in terms of inviting artists, um, economic structures, how money is shared, how skills are shared, the difference between or the hierarchy of um, conceptual and physical labor, the ability for a printmaker to, to speak or, or write intellectually or use print as a medium for research. So, so DJI was a space that, that was a response to that, but also questioned every aspect of how a print shop could be run differently in, in the space. So it's, it's an open collective and collaborative space for experimental projects based on based around print, which extends to sound installation, photography, etc. Okay, so um, on that, I, I, I have a question that uh, myself and Kevin uh, have been wanting to actually engage with you on because we know that you also print with David Crutt. So, <laughs> slightly problematic question. Um, but I think it's... But it's, it's, it's really important and it's very interesting because, you know, you work, you know, during the day, your day job is working yeah. at this really established kind of print studio that has its very kind of, in a way, formalized sets of rules and kind of regulations for the printers who work there, yeah. but then also for the artists who print with those spaces. Um, and I was speaking to an artist yesterday who, you know, has concerns about printing with um, one of those kinds of spaces because yeah. their practice, you know, extends beyond that. So like, how, do you, how do you kind of find that balance and how do you navigate that space? I mean, what does it mean for you? Do you, are you, yeah. This is great. Let's try to push this as far as we can. Um, so let's throw all trepidations out the window and we all trust them. <laughs> um, this no, is a safe space. Um, it's very safe. David Crute is, is a cool space. I've been working there on and off as a printer for seven years. So, um, from the end of my first year undergrad all the way up till now where I'm doing an MA at WITS and also teaching students. Uh, I have my own second years that, that myself and Nathaniel teach collabor collaboratively. And it, it is, it's an important space, but I don't think it's an accessible space for everyone. And, that's, and neither is DJI necessarily, but um, I think when, when that way of functioning becomes the only way that you can make prints in a space, it, it becomes seriously problematic. And there's, there's things that need to happen that fundamentally shift um, the way we think about spaces that are made to produce and replicate knowledge. It's, it's, these are vital, it's a very, very important things. And there's, there's a lot at stake and there's a lot of res responsibility, I think, when you have, number one, access to space like that access to skills and resources and to shut that space off is is a complete disservice not only to the history of print but also to a lot of the artists that we have the honor to still be with us um, today who who used print as a way to fundamentally change socio-political situations in the country that that's an intensely powerful thing um, so so David Crute is is great in terms of technical skill. A lot of kind of a lot of the the really technical projects that I've worked on have come out of that space. William Kentridge's big woodcuts, a lot of Deborah Bell's um, really complex etching projects, and that's that's fantastic. They do mm. they do what they do, but at the same time, how how can I kind of bootleg? everything that I've learned there into other spaces and engage with other artists that wouldn't want to print there for very, very good reason, to be honest. Like it's not, it's not a comfortable or safe space in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think what you said about access is very important because collectives, you know, are formed because of lack of access or, um, and you know, as much as the industry grows, access is always kind of lacking in some kind of way and artists, you know, they want to access spaces in, in different ways or access different kinds of spaces. And that's why collectives need to be formed. Um, yeah. Um, maybe, uh, perhaps we could probably also look into just the kind of, because collectives work on different models. I mean, TGI is a very specific kind of printmaking kind of model, but then, you know, I think um, Free State Art Collective and Black Ink work in very different kind of ways and work across many different ways. So um, I think maybe, Karen, you can speak a little bit yeah. about that. 
Just continuing with what you were saying, Chad, is that for me, it was very, very vital that, um, you know, and, and I apologize to anybody that's from the Free State, but the Free State is definitely divided. It is decades behind in the divisions between the people there. And for me, the collective is very much about kind of just um, creating spaces for people just like you have with your collective. And I'd like to invite you to, to come to Bloemfontein, please, and do the kind of work. So for me, it was also very important to, um, in the development work that we can do in response to creating a collective like this, is um, uh, two months ago, I invited Mary Sabanda and Lawrence Limawana to come to the city of Bloemfontein. I managed to convince the three art schools to um, send their students to the lectures and then students were chosen from the three art school spaces to attend workshops with Mary and Lawrence. But it was very, very important for me that this the space where the, the lectures and the workshops happened did not happen in any specific territory where people could put place ownership on. So I completely subverted it by taking it into a dilapidated building in the center of Bloemfontein. I was told nobody's going to come. And I was like, well, exactly who is this nobody that you are talking about? So, and I'm telling you, it was Packed. So it's very important that people like Chad's collective and, and um, you know, because constantly white artists are being invited to Bloemfontein and that creates a very, very specific um, language in the art, art making. So we need to change that. And the collective immediately can respond to that. You've immediately got, we've got 35 people that can immediately respond to anybody coming into the city and then we can open it up to further people. So um, space is very, very, very important in this um, conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah, with yeah. me, uh, I totally agree. Um, I think collectives are there to cause disruption. You know, because most of the spaces that you find around, they have so many rules and they're not even run by artists, you know, like corporate people doing their corporate <laughs> ways, you know. And it kind of somehow, you know, distracts us from creating the way we want to create, you know, because, you know, they, they'll set a bar and you guys can't go over that bar. If you go over it, they're never going to support you, you know. So we come in to say, you know what? That can be so many things, you know, and we bring those people and we explore and we play and we have fun while we're doing it, you know, and we're breaking every rule, you know, that's what art is all about. And we ask new questions, yeah. you know, that's what you wanted to do, you know, and yeah, because outcome up, like for instance, um, we decided this year that I'm going to have my own solo show. Right, mm -hmm. and I created different pieces using different styles. You know, if it was, you know, those galleries with their rules, they'll complain. You know, they'll talk about um, maybe I don't have, I don't have an identity. You know, but because it's us, we made we manage the whole thing. You know, I was allowed, and mm -hmm. I did that, and that was the message I wanted to communicate. You know, and I feel that's why the collectives are important. Yeah. So creating a space where you set the rules, which is what we need. Um, yeah. Chad? <laughs> um, I think um, not necessarily thinking about, about these collectives or, or spaces necessarily as developmental projects, because I, I, for us, like that, that falls, it kind of falls short a little bit in terms of what we can loot from these spaces that we're already engaged with. So the fact that that I that we could open up um, at some point, three thirds of DJI worked at, at David Crute carving Williams woodblocks. Um, but the fact that we've we've run, you know how these spaces think about it, a, a space that's in direct competition with the print shop and still worked it for the past three years, is is something that I think is quite beautiful. I have a key to David Crute. I have a key to the center for the less good idea. Like those are, those are really for us, like for me, really important moments of, of resistance in, 
in what you're taking and where those resources get refigured and what they they add up to in a different place in a completely different configuration and it's not that we claim to solve any issues but we just have a way of doing things differently um you know we're completely open and we've we've had this discussion many many times where people have challenged us and it's beautiful like being challenged is is an amazing point of growth and discussion and a, a site for response where i think knowledge begins to be produced but you know we have to be completely open about the fact that the space was opened for three bras like three men that want to make prints together and like chill out and bump hip hop and like it's open to whoever feels comfortable in that space and we're going to keep that space running however we can for as long as we can um but it is that for us to claim that it's a de developmental project that's completely uh, um open and transparent and woke in some way is is always going to be wrong um there are people that feel super super comfortable functioning in that space and working with us and there are those that don't and that doesn't mean they're not they're welcome any less that just means that you know there's there's things to discuss and figure out along the way so then talking about kind of you know sustainability how how is a space like dji kind of well, not kept sustainable because I think it's still, it, that's an ongoing process and those kind of things we, I think we're all going to figure out as we go. But like, how, how is it funded and what, is, what are the business models behind it to keep it sustainable or to make it sustainable? I mean, so collective and, and collaborative practice, I, in, in my head, try to distinguish between like collective practices working on your own kind of concerns as a unit. So like, Wu-Tang Clan, as an example, is collective practice. Everyone yeah. does their own thing under the umbrella of this thing yeah. together. And collaborative practice is working on the same project at yeah. the same time. So um, both of those things are not sustainable at all. Like, to be, no, to be, like, like super honest, I think Gabi has, has this really important talk that where, where she puts a three-year cap on, like, institutionalized collectives, which, which obviously isn't the case for everyone, but... It is incredibly difficult um, on an emotional, spiritual, practical, business, logistical level to to pay taxes, make work, and run a space with someone that's your best friend. Like, you know, or two guys that are your best friends. You know, everything that could be going wrong, every response, every piece of body language all the time. And it's intense, but like... Our collective ideology is to not revert to the things, to the formulas that we have learned from these other spaces, whether it's David Crit, Artist Proof, um, or even commercial gallery spaces. So at the moment, um, the studio started with a funder who, when we got back from Germany, said to us, I have extra money laying around. Um, do you guys want to... Yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you guys want to buy presses and all the stuff that you need so you have agency over over the production process? So if if we can't pay rent at some point, we own the entire production process that can be moved into my garage, yeah. into Nat's house, into anywhere. Yeah. And we can still continue to produce prints. So that was an important decision. And um, as it is now, we've been getting more projects and, and paying rent. Like rent is up to us and, and we manage somehow. But for a long time, it was all the money that myself, Nathaniel, and Spongseni make outside of our jobs goes directly back into the studio. So all the work that we sell, panel discussions, uh, projects, artist fees, um, all of that goes in. And then what subsidizes materials and rents are, are big collaborative artist projects, um, which is an individual discussion. So instead of blanket printer's fees for collaborative and editioning printing, it's an individual discussion. So either we keep the edition and sell them and get a the artist will get 70%, we'll get 30. Or if they have their collectors, they pay straight up studio fees and for our labor time materials, and then they take their editions. Um, so the publishing, printing, and kind of negotiation in, in our labor, the materials, and the plates that they want to produce is an individual discussion for artists to artists, dependent on, you know, how they feel comfortable engaging with the studio. And it takes more time, but I think those 
two, three days a week, three weeks a month is is worth having that discussion so that artists actually feel comfortable printing in a space. So that that's one of one of the things that we try to to keep the space running. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I, I think it's a really important way to work to base it on an individual thing because artists work very differently in each artist and I think you know each kind of project has its own needs and requirements so yeah um, when it comes to the Freeside Art Collective, I mean, um, it is an unusual concept in that it's not actually the artists that are running, it's actually me that is logistically managing the entire process. And I try to um, keep everything is voted on, everything is kept as um, inclusive as possible. And I do realize that at some point I do have to set up a board that is going to make decisions that will, will um, you know, as we grow, and this is something that I have to do next year. But it has been entirely self-funded. It has. Um, I, I also think that it's incredibly difficult to approach um, banks or as a collective because we've got nothing to prove that that the collective is actually a functioning entity that um, the artists will produce the works that we don't have the spaces I mean and I don't need a space to run the collective I can easily do it from home but I spend so much of my time um, writing proposals that actually takes my time away from spending, you know, then um, talking to artists, talking about their work, talking about um, what we can do, where we can take the, the spaces. But I, I mean, I am meeting with the head of the Chamber of Commerce in Bloemfontein next week. So for me, that is a huge leap forward because this is a city that only um, is interested in brying and and beer and rugby so and yet we have this huge cultural impetus I mean um, um, Bloemfontein is actually an education center we have hundreds of art students moving through Bloemfontein every single year the Central University of Technology alone has 300 students every single year and most of them leave so the talented artists that could essentially make a name for themselves in um, the free state come to the city come to Johannesburg and we keep losing talent and very few people actually want to stay behind even though they like the pace of life there which which um, I'm sure you all have imagination about <laughs> um, yeah, so that this is sustainability is a huge, huge question. It's expensive to come to the turbine for, for people from, I mean, I need funding just for the packaging of artworks and transport alone. You know, um, this this for me would be, you know, you you need to raise rent. I need transport, and how mm. how can I approach the Stutterfords and the the Art Logics to say, hey, you know, like, will you will you um, fund the Free State Art Collective? It's yeah, it's it's restrictive. Do you um, do you take commission from sales? Like while you're yes. here, you do. Okay. Yes. So the structure is that um, none of the artists pay membership at all. I'm not interested in that. Um, I carry the cost for wherever we travel, and then we have a 60/40 split, which is pretty standard um, in a, in galleries and what have you. At 60% to the artist, and and in that way, I hope to. But it all it's, at the moment, it's all a wing and a prayer. Um, this is our sixth year at the Tabernacle. We only missed the first one. Um, it has been a journey. It has been, it has been the hardest journey by far. Um, I think the, the, this one, 2019, is the first one where somebody actually funded us, you know. Uh, but for the first five, it was tough. It was tough. But this is what we do. Um, we came together. We paid. Um, just covered equally. Uh, the money we made on the first one, nobody got paid. You know, even now, nobody gets paid. So we just save it for future projects. You know, we just hope that the projects we're gonna do is gonna make more money. Um, yeah, so it has been tough. It has been tough even going out there, you know. We've been talking to the Aeroni government, you know, to assist. But, you know, you know, black people don't love art. 
I'm talking to someone. <laughs> someone I'm talking to right here. Someone specific. You know, someone specific. Yeah. <laughs> I won't mention his name. You know, but he's you see he he inspires me because he's here. You know? He's here. So I I really appreciate this guy. I think we're going to do great things with him. You know, we just need to show him, you know, and educate them. You know, let them know about the culture. Let them know that art is an investment. It's not just, you know, fun gigs that we do because we bought. It's actually money. I see Jewish people coming to August House every day. They know the value, you know? Yeah, they know the value. And we go back to the other side. They kind of look at it as, but if you buy an art piece, you're buying it for your kids. You're not buying it for yourself. But that's a story for another day. Uh, so... Yeah, it has been tough. It has been tough. I think we were learning every year. We were learning every year, you know. And if you are individuals, you know, because there were the three of us, and we all have different visions, you know. I'm an artist, full-time artist. Bambos B is a full-time artist. Uh, Tabo Squaila is a full-time curator. So after the fair, everybody, everybody goes back home and they rest. Sometimes they can rest for three months, you know, because maybe we don't have... Um, I don't know how to put this, but yeah, it'll come back to me. But for me, I think it comes to commitment. You know, I think it's possible it can work. You know, it has been working for us, even though we we're adding 60% commitment. We, we, we were able to make it work. You know, we'll have meeting every now and again. We'll have exhibition and collaborate with other galleries and raise money, you know. So, yeah, it's a beautiful chain. I think we made so many mistakes which were necessary for us to grow from. Uh, and one thing I've learned is people don't want to fund something they don't understand. If you're coming up with something new, something fresh, you know. And we are young, so we don't speak the same language with the old guys who have the billions and the millions, you know. So if you give them something different, they start questioning it. So I think we need to fail. We need to push. Um, we need to keep working on it until we create something that they can see and be like, you know what, we can invest in that, you know. So that's the chain we're in. And I feel this year is a breakthrough, you know. In fact, last year was a breakthrough, you know. Last year was a breakthrough, but yeah. I'll leave it at that for now. Um, I think I think that's a very that that's a very very important point. Um, in terms of of DGI, um, it's funny. I mentioned funder, and everyone's like, I'm sure like the A4 article came to mind. So before Asha writes another one, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I think I think an important point also is that DJI was funded by Anasmia. And this is this is something that's that's extremely important to us because Anas is um a young lawyer, a young colored lawyer who wants to who wanted to start an art collection, who wanted to start building um building a culture for for young black art collectors with money who are who have the the same kind of job titles that that young Jewish people going to August House and going into Goodman Gallery and going to Stevenson Gallery have when when they're looking for art for their houses or for their children or or as gifts. So the funding comes from there, and I think that's a very very important place in terms of the way work is shown at DGI, the way we we hang out with people when or clients when we're discussing these things. It's it's an open space in terms of us trying to build a collector base that's that doesn't have to engage with the Stevenson or Goodman or David Crute or even Artist Proof or um, the August House clientele. It's it's not about ticking those boxes for us because we're trying. Our work doesn't sell with these people anyway, so like <laughs> we're kind of loud and like a little bit abrasive we've been told um but but it's about the work finding homes in with with people that are really going to respect and understand not only the history where those things come from but the seriousness and the earnestness with playfulness that it takes to be able to produce and disseminate um 
ideology and knowledge that people in power don't necessarily always agree with if i'm making sense you are you are and it's you're causing disruptions which is good and i you know going back to the point about education i think we it's 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 key to the sustainability of collectives and spaces because you know you don't you're not trying you're not targeting the the guys who go to August house all the time or the guys who buy at the gallery all the time and it's also about you know educating the people from our communities because you know for a lot of us myself included the people in our communities don't understand art um and it was something that was taken away from them in many ways um which has always been a part of all of our cultures so it's about re-educating ourselves around these things and then learn relearning again what it is to have art and culture in our lives and those are the people that we also need to bring into the space and to educate them and you know take them on the journey with us and that's for me that is also that's key to creating a sustainable you know collective organization or whatever it may be yeah yeah questions comments anyone okay not all at once <laughs> Um hi uh thank you so much for the conversations um i come in as definitely not in the art industry um we actually i run a yoga and meditation studio in greenside and we're invited to do a meditation session here next by the way <laughs> but um what we're doing is we have a space in greenside um where we have a yoga studio we're doing a zero waste store we have a vegan cafe so we're all about sustainability and we have a lot of clients who are artists and they told they are suggesting one of them is actually that he's doing tomorrow at Brooklyn we're suggesting that our backspace which is set up just coincidentally really good for a gallery and i just want to is there a space for art in these other cuz we're especially in a millennial movement i guess where everyone's sort of networking and art has always been quite an offshoot of a private exclusive um sort of practice and is there space for us to collaborate in this is environment right is i would like to get your opinions on that for that kind of partnership and collaboration plus we don't have capital so we just have space um should we take a few more questions sure, and then what's next um i was just more interested in in learning more about black ink in terms of um do you guys have a space that you work together um and do you do things outside of turbine um what what is your yearly program consist of um okay can i just comment okay i'm just going to answer her quickly um i think there is space and it it really is about creating space um because space for new kinds of approaches is always needed so even you know and yeah so it's about creating space and creating partnerships so if you have space then create a partnership or open up you know open up ways for partnerships to happen and that will also bring it that will educate people more about art but then it will also bring more people into your space yes um i also think it's it's important to think through well from from my printmaking background at least it's it's important for us to always think through how how these things have always existed so art or the art industry is an elite thing because certain powers that be want us to think about it like that but there were for a long time there were silk screen studios on street corners printing political posters or there were risograph there was a kind of illegal silk screen shop in the basement of vits during the 70s and 80s um making posters but these were very much artworks i've spoken to a lot of of all the generation people that that don't necessarily think they can engage with with gallery spaces and artworks and when you speak about these posters and these really important images they're like no but those on artworks and you're like yeah they definitely are um so pooling resources together i mean having space is is huge capital um this huge capital to have and having people on board that are willing to to trust you and that you trust um you know i think to to break the notion of art as as an inaccessible space 
is is important discussion to have because it, it it shouldn't and it never did in essence function like that here especially here um you know there were really the point of of printmaking especially in in the context of this country was to have it as open and accessible and as freely engaged with as possible because that's how you disseminate information to people um you know have peeping people reading images the way they want to instead of the way it's written in the brochure um those moments become very very important so i think it's great and you should definitely <laughs> turn it into a gallery space <laughs> I just want to add to what um, Chad was saying. I mean, don't think of that space as what you imagine a gallery should be like. I mean, you can bring in video art. We are living in such exciting times. You can bring in performance art. Everything is becoming interdisciplinary. There's no way, there's no right way that art should be presented. Yes, the Turbine Art Fair is in this format, but it doesn't mean that that's what you have to do in that space. And I would strongly urge you to, there are so many collectives and and um, interesting, edgy people that you can work with, that you can do surprising things in that space. So I urge you to to be experimental, especially since you are talking about current issues and millennial issues. Go for it. Collaboration is honestly the only way for us to move forward. Yeah. Do you want to add to that? Yeah. yeah um, I don't know if I should answer that first. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think they said it mouthful. Um, back to Black Ink. <laughs> back to Black Ink. Um, so we once had a space um, since, you know, the project started in the East End. So we use Springside Gallery as our base, you know. But most of us moved to Joburg. Uh I came to Ora's house, Bambo came to Ora's house. That kind of separated us. Tabo was left that side, you know. So we had, we had issues throughout the year, you know. Uh, and I feel we were slow um, in fixing those issues, you know, because I think there was fear at the same time, you know. So we had money and we thought, you know, if we pay for a space, you know, it's a challenge, you know, and most of the guys were not willing, you know, to take that risk. And it only happened recently where we were sitting with Nicolas Slobo, right, who's a good friend of ours. So we go to Nicolas Slobo, uh, we give him the proposal, we want him to be part of the movement and fund, obviously, because he has a lot of money. You know, we are opportunists that way. <laughs> So yeah, so while we were chilling there, and it's something I wanted to mention earlier, you know, we we didn't have anything to be accountable to. That's why it took us longer to grow, you know. Uh, so while we were sitting with him, he was like, "Do you guys have a space?" You know, initially we didn't want to. We didn't want to have a space anymore. We just wanted to be mobile. We wanted to do pop-ups, you know. Uh, we felt that was a better way, you know. And he was like, "The reason you guys are where." you are is because you don't have a space, you know? So if he goes and he goes, you don't have anything to worry about, you don't have a rent to pay, you know? Uh, but if you can have a space, you can start fundraising, you can do so many things, you know? So that only happened recently. And we, like, as we speak, we're looking for a space for Black Ink, you know? So it's gonna happen soon. Uh, activities. We had so many activities. We had um, we had talks. We had. You see, the thing is, we use people's venues. We don't use our venue, you know. But we're bad with social media. I think it's because we're all three artists, you know. We're bad with social media. So we're looking at bringing people in that will be will focus specifically on those things. We did it, and we did it so wrong, you know. We did it so wrong, and I admit. You know, I'm glad we're still alive. We still exist, you know. Yeah, I don't know how we survived, but we did, you know, and I'm grateful for that, you know. But yeah, now we're learning from those mistakes, you know, and I feel that's the only way to grow. Should we take the next question? Yes. I think it's more of a comment than a, than a question. Um, on collective sustainability. Um, also, we need to look at getting the right people 
for the right spaces. I mean, for instance, you're two artists and a curator, but you're not entrepreneurs per se. You know, you're not administrators per se. And um, and that's why you had the mistakes that you, you know, had not having social media presence and also, you know, um, tracking your progress. So I think also we, you know, as artists, we can get into the trap of just wanting to chill with our own because we are a community. But then some of the skills that we need are not with us. And, um, and the galleries used to play that role. But now our friends are supposed to play that role, the accountants, the lawyers, and so forth. They are supposed to come into the art space. We need to open the doors for them and make them feel welcomed so that they can start working with us and help us run these initiatives that we want to do. And he's the first time I've recruited. <laughs> um, Chad, I think you alluded to this um, when, when you, when in, in your opening remarks, and I just wanted to pose it to all three of you. Um, can you speak to us about the, the politics and the challenges of collectives and, and how that speaks towards its sustainability? Um, I mean, both of you are in collectives made up of friends, um, and, and there are human dynamics that come into play. Um, some of our favorite music groups don't exist today because, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can you speak to us about how you guys um, are, are looking at that and, and, and countering that so that Black Ink still exists 50 years from now, so that DGI is still around in, in 30 years? Uh. <laughs> uh, just to add to that, I think um, I, I've... I've started an organization assemblage and we've been going for about nine years. Um, but founders fatigue is a real thing. <laughs> and, um, I, I think to add to that, like how, how are we going to see black ink still going in 50 years is, is to acknowledge that you probably won't be running it in 50 years. And how do you create a legacy for your for your collective for your organization and it's about bringing people in um but it's it's very challenging to find the right people who are as passionate about your founding project um so i think it's about there's yeah i think it's about really bringing people in and fostering passion within other people that are capable of like continuing the project in 50 years. So start thinking about it now. I agree. Before I forget, I was there when you started Assemblage, by the way. <laughs> the first time, before you guys had the building, I was with this guy, Mashaba. <laughs> yeah, but I went back. And he stayed. <laughs> okay, um, very good question. I'm fully aware that I'm a middle-aged white woman and that this does create enormous politics. However, I'm enormously passionate and, and I'm a logistical person. I'm managing. And that's why the Free State Art Collective functions, which is you know, what they, what they are struggling to find. So I handle the marketing, the website. I literally am doing everything. So, um, but I've already started saying to the collective, I cannot do this for more than 10 years. I do not want to do this beyond 60. And honestly, that, and, and, and I'm just trying to instill the same kind of passion and say to people, you know, there is space for curators. There is space. You don't have to necessarily focus on being that visual artist. We need producers. We need curators. We need people to step into the role so that legacies are left behind. Because I find it exceptionally sad that so many collectives are dying. And, and there have been wonderful collectives in the past in South Africa. Um, which just disappear mysteriously, and and why? Why? Why is this happening? When actually it should be the young black students and academics that, that should be stepping into these roles and taking over. Why is this not happening? Um, well, so there's that. Um, but also I think that, you know, in thinking about organizations, it's in setting up the organization from the beginning to make sure that, the, that you have people who 
who are willing to carry it through and the right people who want to carry it through. I think what happens, you know, because artists are artists and we don't think about business and we're just like, ah, oh, it's business, it's fine, we'll survive. But uh, you have to, you know, it's it's why the accountants being part of the board is important. It's why the lawyer being part of the board is important. Or if it's not a board, but just being on the team in some way and adding some kind of guidance and consultation, because that is what helps think it through as a business. And it's what helps keep that organizational collective or anything actually just going. So I think from the beginning, it has to have these kind of set kind of structures. Yes. And that's, that's important. And it, you know, especially when it's friends, you know, there has to be clear structures and clear boundaries in a way. Well, actually not in a way completely. I think that, you know, without, without sounding too extreme, it's like, it's a constant fight with an understanding that like to some extent this is a really important relationship in your life and we the three of us always talk that if if DGI falls apart um the thing we're going to leave with is us three like friendship's way more important than whatever ha- is happening then whatever's happening there is vital is super important but i'm not going to lose my homies, I'm not going to lose my best friends over some shit like that, <laughs> right? Um, again, it sounds it sounds silly, but I think these things are also vitally important. DJI has been running for, for a bit more than three years now by us, by artists who have lecturing positions. I'm doing an MA, who have other relationships, who have family things, who have jobs, Um and, you know, the three of us as artists, like silly artists, are more than capable of doing taxes, of doing social media stuff, not the best, responding to emails, um, making, you know, catalogs, crunching the numbers, seeing how late rent is and what projects can cover what part and if we need lino and sending invoices and all of this other stuff. And it's shit. We don't enjoy doing it. It sucks, but it has to be done. No one else is going to do it. Um you know, doing things the way we want to do them might not always make sense to the accountant or the lawyer or the guy that's giving you money. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but it's that constant negotiation and renegotiation. And, you know, Nat's, Nat can't send the invoices because he's like, yo, I have home things that I'm doing. Can you hook this up? I'm like, sure. I'll do it, you know, it's your turn, but I'll do it. Or I'm like, dude, I got to work. I can't go to this meeting, go represent DJI. And it's that negotiation and love between friends that makes it important. The willingness to to compromise, not, not to compromise on projects, but the understanding that the friendship is more important than the project sometimes, or that the project can be handled and you can still foster a really important relationship that you have with your homies. Because um, at the end of the day, those are the only two people that are going to be cracking out silk screens with me at four o'clock in the morning, after we've been awake for forty-eight hours. Um, no one else is going to be there, and and I think it doesn't get spoken about enough. But looking after ourselves and looking after each other is incredibly important, and I think that's why a lot of collectives die out so quickly is because um, you know workloads become uneven. Um, people aren't willing to pick up the slack because, like, are there any children here? <laughs> because, like, fuck that person. You know, he didn't pick up the slack last time, so why why should I now? Like, they're just being lazy when, you know, shit's going on at home or they have health issues or there's something that they're not in a good space. You need to, you need to have people to lean on and, you know, you need to be there for people to lean on you. And I think that is what fosters good, strong collective practice um, over an extended period of time. I mean, I guess we'll <laughs> we'll find out, but um, those things are really, really important. There's, there's, I have a very pessimistic view on these things, but I feel like there's very few people that I, I really, really trust. And those that I do, I do incredibly. And like with, with all that I have, like I'll give anything for it for the people that I can lean on. And I think it's it's emotional silliness, but it's super, super important for us, at least. 
Can I mention uh, the question about, mm. I think you spoke about, I'm trying to remember, uh, the politics. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you something, and this is, this is going to be controversial. So whatever I say right now stays here. <laughs> oh, no. That's cool. <laughs> I can live. I can live with it. You know, I think the biggest culprit here, most of the time, the artists. I'll tell you why. Um, the culture is changing, and it's, ch it's changing because of money, right? Um, I've been at Ola's house for a really long time. So if a gallery represents you, and you're well off, and you're doing good, if I create something that will bring everybody together. You know, um, I'll make you an example. Um, you once did Young Art Virtuoso, you know, one of our programs uh, with that guy in Sigelelum Zimbombo, right? It was a beautiful, was a beautiful thing. So I wanted to bring artists in one space, we wanted to paint together, you know, those kind of movements. Because I don't think art should be all about you painting in your own studio, you know, uh, or us going out and drinking together, you know. It can be... Uh, it is important, yeah, <laughs> you know, but it can be us painting together, you know, and inviting people and creating movements and doing, as I said when I started, disruption, you know, and we perform and we do those things. Most of the artists are not into such if I'm not getting paid, you know, and most of the time when you do these things, you're not doing them because you want to pay people. No, we want to create a movement, you know, uh, disruption for me comes first. That's what art is all about. It's not just about beauty, but the certain issues that we can communicate through whatever we can do together as a collective. You know, I mean, imagine if everybody came together at our house, uh, maybe once in six months, and we do a crazy gig, we close the streets, you know, and we perform. You know, that's what we need. That's what most of the artists are doing internationally. That's why art is big, you know. It's not just, it's not just limited to a canvas or a piece of paper, you know. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so, maybe just, uh, Nicole, do you have a question or a comment? Uh, I think it's, I can make it a comment. Oh, okay, last question <laughs> slash comment from Nicole. Okay, so um, when you speak about sustainability, I automatically think about diversity because I feel like you can't have one without the other. And so my question is um, whether you are aware of that. Is it something that you want to bring into your practice? Because um, like Carmel, when you're thinking about the new space that you're opening up, are you considering maybe bringing in a girl who's in charge of something and um, Chad, you guys, are you thinking about that as well? In some capacity, it doesn't have to be practicing the way you are. And maybe especially for Karen, because in the position that you are and the CV that you have, you have so much power that you could share with other people. Imagine bringing in a young girl of, you know, a different ethnic background, right? Yeah, that'd be amazing because wherever you go with your name and everything, and also for the people that you work with, there's bigger representation. So are you guys focused on that? And I think you should. So it's a question uh, and a comment. We are actually out of, well, we can go. We can go because yeah. it's, yeah, okay. So I think you should ask some patriarchy first. Okay. <laughs> I actually have a question for Nicole, but I'll ask her later. Um, so let me play devil's advocate for a second. Um, so, you know, responding to that question in in a way of, of saying, oh, no, we definitely should and we plan on doing that is problematic in itself because then you're filling spots, right? Um, in the same way, you know, me explaining to you who we've worked with is also problematic in its own way. But And this is, is why I said quite carefully what I said at the, um, earlier on is that all of the people that are comfortable engaging with us in the space frequent that space like extremely often um 
we've worked with with many many different people some of which were women who are not comfortable in the space others of which were women who are extremely comfortable in the space and still are whether it's for making prints hangout sessions listening sessions dj sets whatever coming to smoke J with us like there's whoever whoever wants to kick it with us and enjoy a drink some food some prints and an occasional joint is completely more than welcome to to engage with the space um and we have in terms of of like the formalized studio space um collaborated with many many different people um the people that are comfortable generally come back and generally hang out um and generally very very good friends of ours people that don't that's also cool like we see them around it's always hugs and kisses and like it's it's cool um but yeah it's it's open as far as three guys who are best friends can open up the studio if that makes sense i mean it's at the same time it it would be completely problematic to frame the space as anything other than what it is right yeah no one's excluded let me put it <laughs> ever ever excluded um people have been kicked out for being assholes and like getting drunk and being a bit too close with with women in our space and we have been forcefully removed um but other than that everyone's welcome in the space whenever they want to um it's nicole right Um, Nicole, every single decision, every single project that um, the Freeside Art Collective is open, every door that opens for the Freeside Art Collective, I'm exceptionally aware of creating, the, the collective is mainly about creating opportunity. So every project that we work on, it gets um, divided collectively. So co- whoever comes in co-curating or who helps me, it's entirely run as a collective. So everybody comes in and gives their their space. There's a big project that I've been invited um, to work on next year and that um, I want to give to two black women in the collective to work together with me with the intention of kind of saying I, I will be in the background more in a consultative position and they will step forward and eventually hopefully take the baton forward as curators or um, producers um, yeah so I'm very very aware of this question that you've asked and I'm doing my best to develop the future that's such a horrible word development um, <laughs> Help me with a with a synonym, but you know, yes, to to give the power, to share the power, to give it over, so that eventually I can retire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Flag in the front, yeah. Just like my note. plug. Thank you guys. I'm going to invite you. Um, we've got a platform. It's called Conversations Over Coffee and Art. We bring entrepreneurship and um, art together. It's at Starbucks at Melrose Arch. First Wednesday of the month. Every first Wednesday. Next month, we're doing Women's Month. We're doing Boomies, our guest artist. And then we've got another entrepreneur lady from the JMB Hive. Thank you guys. Thank you for the plug. Nice one, dude. Okay. Um, no more questions? Uh- just a comment I'm not an artist but I've been working in organizational life for 20 years and it seems to me the quest for legacy becomes an end in itself sometimes it's not really important because organizations are merely platforms for you to express yourselves and so sometimes they'll exist for 18 months and sometimes for 50 years. The point is they're impermanent. And so if we don't get too hooked on the platform, the medium, the ability to express yourself then, because what happens is when it disorganizes, when it breaks down into chaos, people take a part of that institution, set of values, the creativity, they take it with them. And so in a sense, being fixated on the mode of organization can be a little bit arrogant. And being seeing yourself as an owner of, you know, the collective. 
it's not about it's not about you. It's not about it's about the ability to bring people together at a particular point in time. And you know what? Three years down the line, that platform doesn't serve the people that it brought together, and they'll go off and do their own thing, and that's entirely okay. Yes. But guys, you guys are doing phenomenal. Thanks for that. Really, that's a good. Thank you. That was actually a really great comment. Um, I could add more comments, but then we'll be here the whole day. Uh, so, uh, thank you guys for coming to this talk, for being at the fair. Um, and yeah, thank you to our wonderful talks program curators as well. Thanks for our moderator. Thanks to you all. Guys. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks so much to the speakers on this panel, as well as to Turbine Art Fair for allowing me to post this talk on Unframed. And um, thank you to all the listeners for being here today and listening to this engaging panel discussion. Don't forget to follow Unframed on Instagram and Facebook, and feel free to comment on the posts for each of these episodes. Um, I would love to know your thoughts, um, what you thought of the episode. You can follow Unframed on iTunes and subscribe to the channel, and it will let you know when new episodes are out. And uh, please leave a review if you are on iTunes. You can also listen to Unframed through the website www.unframedpodcast.com and you will also be able to see some images from each episode. Thank you so much for being here today and uh, see you next time. Thanks. Bye.